Nothing. 
power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe in greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like You're the light. 
as uh, David said, I wanted you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and I want to start by reading the, the, the text this morning, and I want to ask you all to stand um, and honor God's Word. We don't do this all the time, but today, um, because it's Isaiah 6, Isaiah um, it was, it was an amazing prophet. This is a very well-recognized passage of Scripture. And so join me as we read together Isaiah chapter 6, um, and we begin in verse 1. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, or he was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it is all over, I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. Uh, I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully but do not understand. Watch closely but learn nothing. Harden your hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes nor hear with their ears nor understand with their hearts and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland, until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we know that your word is powerful and effective. And Lord, I am just a, a mouthpiece today. I'm just a vessel. And so Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to your word today, that you might encourage us or challenge us or whatever you want to do to each one of our hearts today. Let us just simply be receptive to whatever you might want to share today. And I humbly ask it in Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and take your seat. Let me just begin by saying this. Um, over the years, I have noticed in my own personal life that when it comes to change, um, I, I'm adjusting to that. I'm a little bit more willing to embrace change the older I get. And the reason I can do that is because I've simply seen God's faithfulness in the past. Every time I've walked through a season of change in life, I've just been able to look back with 2020 um, hindsight and see the Lord's hand in most of it. So while it's still uncomfortable for me, to walk through seasons of change, I've learned to try, to try and just embrace it and just, just go with it. And the reason I bring that up is because I think most of us struggle with change from time to time. I mean, you get your system in place, you got your life in order, everything, there's just some normalcy, and then all of a sudden something comes up and you're experiencing some big change. And maybe it's a job that you have, and because of COVID, or maybe they're just cutting back, you get a pink slip, and you find yourself in a season of change, and you're like, uh-oh, there's a new out there, and I'm just a little intimidated about what the future holds for me. Maybe it's the death of a loved one, and, and you find yourself having to pack your boxes and, and move to a different town or just start over. I mean, I think you understand sometimes change is difficult, isn't it? And sometimes there's anxiety that goes with that. There's the unknown, the uncertainty, and all of that. Here's what I know. Every time throughout history and even through Scripture, there's many, many examples that when a nation is going through a season of change, when people are going through a season of uncertainty, God is there. Amen? God is there. God is on the throne. And something else I know that's really encouraging is God always has this way of bringing a leader to the surface. In the middle of an uncertainty, you think about world wars. You think about the people that we read about today in history books that are like heroes. They were studs. And it just so happens that they were born in a time and in a season when they would be called, if you will, to the front to lead a nation through a very difficult time. We, we see that in history. We see it in scripture. When God's children were um, slaves in Egypt, what did he do? He heard their cries and he raised up a leader. That leader was Moses. 
And Moses was able to lead the children of Israel uh, powerfully out of slavery. And he led them for some time and then he died. And it was, it was, it was Joshua, we talked about him last week, his turn to lead. And when it was his turn to lead, God just raised him up for that moment and he was able to lead the children across the Jordan River to conquer the land that God had promised to give to them. Or I think about David, this young David, the shepherd boy, in the season when uh, the, the armies were standing face to face at a standstill and they had this huge giant named Goliath who was just defying the armies of Israel. And this little shepherd boy steps up because God had prepared him. He was a leader in that season, in that moment. In that time of change and challenge and, and unknowing, right? David steps up and says, who's this guy that defies the army of the living God or defies the living God? You know what I've done in my life? I've killed a bear. And I've killed a, a, a lion with my slingshot. I've rescued my animals from their mouths. You know what? This giant is just like them, and I'm about to put it to him. That's the Shane version of that story. <laughs> he about to get it, right? But we just see throughout history and throughout scripture that God has a way of raising up leaders. Well, I bring all that up to say this. We're in a series called Follow the Leader, and what we're looking at is just different characters throughout the Bible and some leadership lessons that we can glean from them. We've looked at Noah, Abraham, last week Joshua, today Isaiah. Isaiah um, is known as the prince of the prophets, but a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the different uh, Biblical interpretation, I'm, I'm losing my, the theologians, they'll say that he is the prince of the, the prophets. Some call him the Shakespeare of the Bible. Others have said that he's like the Apostle Paul of the Old Testament. 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, easy to read, hard to comprehend. I mean, I'm not an expert in Shakespeare. I'm certainly not an expert in Isaiah. But as we're looking at Isaiah's life and you consider the New Testament, he is the most quoted prophet um, throughout the New Testament. They quote Isaiah. Isaiah had all these prophecies 700 years before Christ would come. And all these prophecies that he, he gave as he served Israel all came true. So he was a trustworthy, reliable, great, influential leader in his time. And that's why we're looking at him today. So Isaiah, we don't know a whole lot about his personal life because we don't have that information in Scripture. We just see a lot of the visions and dreams that God gave him and the messages that he shared with Israel. We know, that he, we know who his dad was. We know that he was married and had two sons of his own. But I wanted to focus today on this Isaiah chapter 6 passage. There's five words that he shared when the opportunity was given, the call was given, who will go, who will be my messenger, and he says, here I am, send me. Now, on the surface, those five words don't seem very um, amazing uh, or are very just over the top. It's just somebody that says, hey, I'll do it. And it reminds me of, of if God said to each one of us, hey, listen, Shane, I want you to go out and I want you to tell people about my love for them. That'd be easy for me to say, sign me up. Here I am, Lord. Send me, right? Or, hey, Shane, I want you to, to start a church in Canyon, Texas. You're going to move there, and, and I want you to start there, and I'm going to give the church success. I'm going to even give you a little success, and it's just going to be bigger than what you would ever imagine that would happen, and God's going to use you, and he's going to communicate to people, and people's lives are going to be changed. I'm not saying all that to toot my horn. I'm just simply saying God has been so good here at Living Water, and, and, and I could just see the young Shane 18-plus years ago going, here I am, Lord, send me, Right? And you think, if God would show you the success that's uh, waiting ahead of you, um, I think every one of us could say, hey, I'm your huckleberry, Jesus, I'll do it. What do you want me to do? Right? I'll go. Here I am. Send me. The thing that makes Isaiah's story and the lesson that we glean from him today is the circumstances surrounding his commissioning, his, his circumstances around his saying, here I am, send me. So what were the circumstances? So just to give you kind of a reference of where we're at in the timeline, you have the, the slavery, they're, they're out of slavery, right? They, they come into their, their land, and then they have Saul, the first king, David, and then Solomon. And after Solomon, the kingdom is split, northern and southern. And in this era, there are 19 kings in Israel, there are 20 kings in Judah. And out of the 19 kings in Israel, zero, say zero, none of them were any good. All of them did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. In the southern kingdom, they did a little better. They had 20 kings in this era. And in those 20 kings, eight of them did what was right in the Lord's eyes. And so during Isaiah's ministry, he served four kings. He, he served Uzziah, which is in the year Uzziah died. After Uzziah was Jotham, and then Ahaz, and then Hezekiah. And this is the, the bulk of his ministry, probably 60 years of ministry to Israel. 
And so the children of Israel are in a season now where they're at their 10th king out of 20, right? King Uzziah is the 10th king. He becomes king at 16 years of age. He reigns for 52 years, and then he dies. He dies because he is leprous. He was a great king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but there was one season, if you want to read about it, in 2 Chronicles 26, I think verse 16 says, that because of his success, he was lifted up with pride, and that pride led to his downfall. So he goes into the temple, and he tries to light an altar of incense, which was not his role. That was the role of the Levites. And as a result, the other priests come in and said, this is not right for you to do this, king. And they essentially try to push him out. He gets angry, and he immediately begins to see leprosy on his forehead and his hands, and he's covered, and he spends the rest of his life with leprosy, and he dies a leper. So Isaiah, in the year King, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, around 739 B.C., he says, I saw the Lord. So I want you to just understand the significance of what he saw first is because the king that they had known for so long, who had ruled for so long, 52 years, is a long time, especially in their day when the life expectancy was not very long, right? So this king has been on the throne for a long time, and they had experienced a lot of success, a lot of normalcy, I mean, consistency, and all of a sudden this king is dead, and it's in that context, in that time of change, in that time of uncertainty, that God allows Isaiah, it's like he unveils the heavens and he lets Isaiah see a vision of the true king, King Jesus, seated on, seated on the throne, high and, and lifted up and exalted, right? And so it's like, hey, we're still in control. The true king is still sitting on the throne and, 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 and we're still, we still got everything under control. I think it's interesting that God allowed him to see that in this circumstance. And so he calls him to this in the midst of a season uh, when God is about to unleash judgment on Israel. He's going to do it because they've been rebellious over and over and over again. Uh, they have gotten so heavily involved in idolatry and there was a lot of injustice in the day. And God says, I need a messenger who's going to step up and preach this message of judgment. Now, I've met some people in my life in the past that say, ooh, sign me up. I love telling people how the cow ate the cabbage. And so this message that he's going to give is a message of judgment. And there's a purpose for that. It would have a cleansing effect, if you will, for the children of Israel. And history tells us that the Assyrians came in and they took over the northern kingdom and carried them into captivity sometime later. And then around 605 B.C., the Babylonians come in and they get the southern kingdom and they carry them all the way into captivity. God's judgment. And Isaiah is called to share that message. Now, how many of you want to sign up for that one, Right? So the circumstances around what Isaiah is being called to do, where he says, here I am, send me, is we got a, a nation in chaos, we got a nation in change, there's a lot of uncertainty, after all this consistency, now there's this big question mark, what's going to happen next? And then there's, the sin was so heavy in that area that God is to the point where he said, okay, it's time for judgment, divine judgment, and I need a messenger who will go and share that message. Isaiah says, how long is that message? I mean, because God, if you want me to preach a message that's hard on one Sunday, but I get to talk about your love the next Sunday, I could handle that. Isaiah's like, how long do I share this message until the whole place is deserted, until my fulfillment of my judgment has come to Past, and so I need you to be my messenger. Chapter 20 of Isaiah says that Isaiah was told by God to walk around buck naked for three years, no shoes, as a sign to Egypt. I couldn't imagine what that would have been like as a prophet in his day. And history tells us, we don't have it scripturally, but history tells us from all the extra biblical resources and historians say um, that and believe that Isaiah was sawn in half. And so when you start considering the circumstances around the life of Isaiah, what's going on and what's needed, it's pretty significant when he says, here I am, send me. Amen? And in fact, the first five chapters of Isaiah, God's already showing him and giving him visions of what's going on. And he sees the depth of the sins of Israel around him. And, and so whenever we get to chapter 6, the call and the commission of Isaiah, he says, who will be my messenger? Who will go for us? Isaiah says, here I am, send me. That's significant. And, and that leads me to what I want to pull out of as a lesson that we're learning from these biblical characters. And the lesson is this. Leaders rise to the occasion. They answer the call of God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the results, even in difficult situations. Amen? You ever notice that? 
in seasons of difficulty or hardships or dark times, there's always this leader that just steps up. And it may not be that we want to step up, but we just feel this burden. It's time for somebody to do something, and a leader just steps up to the front. And that's the thing we learn about Isaiah. Leaders rise to the occasion, and they answer the call of God. That's exactly what he did. He stepped up. He answered the call of God. Regardless of the circumstances around the call, he knew that the message that he was going to be preaching was not going to be very well received. In fact, it was not. If you were paying attention when we read that passage, he said, close their eyes, their ears, and their hearts, lest they turn and be forgiven. God was going to use the message of Isaiah. Um, it would have a paradoxical effect. It would harden their hearts um, against the message, um, and, and they would just become hardened to Isaiah's message. And I think that's interesting when God says, okay, Isaiah, I want you to be my messenger, but your message is going to be ineffective. In fact, it's going to have the opposite effect. It's at that point, I'm just thinking through how I would handle this. God, here I am, send me. Oh, yeah, before you say, yes, Shane, here's the deal. You're going to go to a place. You're going to have a message. It's not going to be well received. In fact, they're probably going to hate you for it. It's going to have an opposite effect. Oh, yeah, and you might get sawn in half after you've walked around for three years, buck naked, telling you know, other people of my message, Shane, who will be my messenger? You know what? I was talking to David Bagwell the other day, and I'm pretty sure he said he wanted to be a prophet. Lord, send him. That's kind of how I'd handle that one, right? But the reality is, 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 is we've been talking throughout the series, all of us are leaders. All of us lead someone. And so you could make the argument or make the case that this really is not really a leadership series, but it's life lessons. All of us are in a position to lead other people, and so what we're gleaning from all of these characters, I think that we can just put them in our toolboxes. We're just walking through this thing called life, and we learn this lesson that true leadership steps up. Sometimes when no one else does, true leadership says, Lord, here I am. I will rise to the occasion, even regardless of what's going to go on around Regardless of the consequences, regardless of the, you know, what, what, the, what the, the, the results will be, here I am, Lord, send me. And I love that, and I think that we could learn from that today. So the big question is, why? What motivated Isaiah, knowing the context, already knowing what, was, what he was up against, what motivated him to say, here I am, send me? What motivated him to stay faithful to his message, even to his death, serving four different kings with this warning message? I mean, there was some hope, too. He was pointing to the hope that would come one day when the, the new Jerusalem and the true king would seat on, be seated on his throne. I mean, there was some hope, but there was a lot of warning of pending judgment to come. And the question is, why? What is it that he saw? What is it that he experienced that caused him to say, here I am, Lord, send me? That's the bulk of what I want to look at now. Chapter 6, verse 1. I want to say three things. He saw God, he saw himself, and he saw the need. You might say he looked up, he looked inward, and then he looked outward. Three things that he saw. Look at what, what it says. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, the Lord, not the essence of God, because the Bible says no man can look at God and live. And so many theologians believe this is a theophany, or this is the pre-incarnate Christ, before Christ became flesh. This is Jesus seated on a throne. It says, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up. Way above any man-made kingdom and throne, he is absolute sovereign and powerful. I saw the Lord seated on a throne. And he says, in the train of his robe, this, this dignity, some say that's what it represents, this dignity, his, his train fills the temple. He saw the position of the Lord. He saw his position, that he was seated on the throne. There's a place of authority on a throne that he would never advocate. It would be never taken away from him. A throne above every other throne. He saw the position of Jesus, of the Lord, seated on the throne. It says, attending him were the mighty seraphim. This is the only place that the seraphim are mentioned in Scripture other than Revelation 4. And there it doesn't call them by those names. It says the, the mighty creatures with the, the six wings. We find them in Revelation 4. But this is the only place in Isaiah 6 where they're mentioned. It says these seraphim, these creatures, having six wings, two wings that they covered their face. Some say that symbolizes humility. And two wings they covered their feet. Some would say that symbolizes their service. And the other two wings they were to fly with. That symbolized the ongoing ministry that they would carry out before the Lord. It says these, these seraphim were flying around. They were calling out to each other, holy, 
holy, holy. Three times. Why do you say things three times? They would repeat it for emphasis. And it's this picture of the Lord with his absolute, complete holiness. Have you ever considered just how holy God is? Isaiah saw him seated on a throne and he heard the seraphim saying, holy, holy, complete holiness. No sin, no error, anything. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It says their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Smoke symbolizes the presence of God, but also purification as a fire would purify and cleanse. It would be a purifying, cleansing smoke as well. And so he saw the position of the Lord. He saw the personality of the Lord, the holiness of of the Lord, and he saw the presence as he saw the smoke that filled the temple, the train of his robe filled his temple, the presence of the Lord. He looked up or he saw the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, and I've heard stories of people that talk about having a, you know, a dream or vision, or I've watched televangelists who said, I've died and I went to heaven and me and God were hanging out. Or people might say, hey, um, I wish God would speak to me directly. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because if God were to speak to us directly, he's probably not going to tell us what we think we want to hear, right? And we're talking about a holy, perfect, righteous God. And, and, and he saw him, and, and it had a huge effect on his life. Because the next thing that Isaiah saw was he saw himself. And I think there's something to be seen in that is whenever you have um, this, this encounter with a holy and righteous God, it only amplifies how much more unholy we are. When we see the holiness of God, it's like looking in a mirror and we look at that and say, oh, I will never measure up. Peter said, uh, go away from me, Lord. When he met Jesus, go away from me. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Isaiah puts it this way. Um, he says, it's all over. I'm doomed. Or some of your versions will say, woe is me. Why? For I'm a sinful man. He recognized his sinfulness. Now, did he notice it before he saw the Lord seated on his throne? I don't know. But I think this had an effect on him. When he saw the Lord, he saw himself. He looked inwardly and he says, hey, I'm a, I'm a sinner. It's all over. Now, aren't you glad that God doesn't just leave us there? He, he sees his brokenness. He says, I, not only, he doesn't, not woe is them, but woe is me. What, what was me? It's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I, I just feel like there's something there that we need to grab a hold of too. When we come into an encounter with God, it should, have a, uh, it should have a convicting effect on us because we recognize, you know what? We are so far, far short of the standard of the holiness of God. And that's exactly what happened with Isaiah. He says, it's all over. I'm a man of filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Although they were successful and they had a lot of consistency with King Uzziah, they were in a spiritually dead place. Isaiah saw that, he acknowledged that, and he confesses that to the Lord. And he says, yet I have seen the king of the Lord of heaven's armies. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to him with this coal, this coal from the incense altar or from the altar sacrifice, we don't know, but a coal, this burning coal with tongs, picks it up, touches the lips of Isaiah. See, I've touched your lips with this coal. Your guilt is gone and your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So he saw his condition that he was a man who was in desperate need of cleansing, and then he saw his cleansing. I think that's an important step there, too, for Isaiah to recognize when the seraphim said, hey, your guilt is gone, your sins are forgiven. To be able to get up from that and walk away as though the guilt is gone and the sins are forgiven. Amen? Does anybody else struggle with that sometimes? I do. The conviction, God, I confess my sins before you, and then to know that through the gospel we're made right with God, that our sins are forgiven and our guilt should be gone, but we get up every day and we're, well, woe is me. But he saw himself, he saw his condition, he saw his cleansing. And it was after that, and I think this is a very important part there, before he say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Notice what he went through. He saw the Lord, he saw himself, and then it says, I heard the Lord asking. I heard the Lord asking whom should I send as a messenger to his people? He's not asking because he don't know. He's not asking because he's wondering, okay, who's going to step up for the task? Who's going to do this? He's simply giving Isaiah the opportunity. Who will go and send as a, me who will send a messenger 
Should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? And it's in this context, after he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he recognized his own need for cleansing. And after he was cleansed, that he's in a position of, man, a brand new slate, clean slate. That's pretty cool, right? Think about us when we come to him, we, see the, we hear the gospel and we realize just the, the, our brokenness and our need. We confess our sins, we, we trust in Christ for salvation and we are saved. How many know we should be filled with gratitude? Because if we got what we deserved, well let's don't talk about what we'd get if we got what we deserved, right? But if we got what we deserved, it would be absolutely terrible, but that's the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus took the punishment for my sins and he took it on the cross on my behalf. And the Bible says that by his blood we are cleansed and I'm made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good news, church. Amen? And, and the natural response to that should be, God, thank you so much for doing something that I could never do. You made me right by the blood of Christ, not by works. I would have never been able to accomplish it on my own. And God, I stand before you cleansed and forgiven. And the way we show that is by saying, here I am. Lord, send me. Right? I'm here to serve you. You've done everything for me. Here I am. I want to serve you. And so Isaiah, recognizing all that he had seen, looking upward, looking inward, and now he looks outward. There's the need. There's a bunch of people that need to hear what God has to say. And he says, who will be the messenger who will go for us? Here I am. Send me. I think that's so powerful. And I don't know about you and what season of life you're in, but all of us are going to go through circumstances in life and different seasons of life. Our country, you can look at it right now, we're going through a season in life where we desperately need some good leadership in our country today. In our schools, in our workplaces, in our homes, we need people to step up in leadership. And, and what I want you to walk away with today is just this big idea that leaders rise to the occasion. And sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes the task that is ahead of us is going to be difficult, but true leadership says, you know what, here I am, Lord, send me. They rise to the occasion, they, 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 they receive the call of God, or they answer the call of God, right? Regardless of the circumstances and the results. That's what Isaiah did, and that is, to me, uh, the, the reason that we're looking at his life today. And so, by way of application, I would say that we need to see what Isaiah saw. We need to see the, the position of God, that God is sovereign. How many believe that? That God is all powerful. We sang the song a while ago, there's nothing that our God can't do. What does that mean? He's sovereign. He's in control. He is all powerful. Amen? We, we need to see his position. We need to see him seated on his throne. Guess who's in control, church? Not me. Not us. But we have a true king sitting on a throne. Amen? He is high and lifted up. He is worthy of honor. He is in control. And so you need to know that today. No matter what you're going through, God is in control. The Lord is seated on the throne, high and lifted up. We need to know his personality. We need to see what he saw in the personality. We need to see that he is holy, holy, holy. And as I mentioned a while ago, I watched a televangelist years ago say, I died and went to heaven and me and God were just hanging out, chatting it up. And I'm like, I, I highly disagree with that. Because I believe the only response to being in the presence of a holy, perfect, and righteous, sovereign God is this. Amen? Amen. I am not worthy. Right? Woe is me. I'm a sinful man, a man of unclean lips. Uh, to me, that is the response of being in the encounter of a holy God. Not like, what's up, God? Right? We need to see and I would say beyond, for those of us that have placed our faith in the gospel, I mean, that's the good news, and we're right with him because of the blood of Jesus. But even as Christians, sometimes I think we forget to look at the holiness of God. And as he said, come out from among them and be separate. Be holy as I am holy. That we need to be challenged today to see the holiness of God. Amen? To see his presence, to, to recognize his presence. Isn't it beautiful to know that we don't have to have smoke in the building today? If we did, there would be panic. Someone would probably pull a fire alarm somewhere or grab a fire extinguisher, but to have the presence of God in us. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them to know that he's with us when we gather together. Amen? To see his presence, to experience his presence. We need to sense what Isaiah sensed. See what he saw. Sense what he sensed. As he saw himself, he sensed that he needed cleansing from his condition. His condition was that he was a sinner. I wonder today if you recognize that in your life. 
God, as I consider how holy you are and I realize how dirty I am and sinful I am, and the beautiful thing is, as I said, we'll go, aren't you glad he doesn't leave us there? He gives us hope. And that hope is in the gospel. In fact, if you want to just look at it, you can see parallel with the gospel right here in Isaiah chapter 6. We see um, his encounter with God. When we read the word of God, we encounter him through the scriptures, right? And so as the gospel is proclaimed, there's an encounter with God. The response to that is conviction, is to say, God, I'm not worthy. I'm a man of unclean lips. That's what happened to him, right? And then so we confessed him. Lord, would you forgive me my sins and cleanse me from my unrighteousness? I trust in you and you alone for salvation. And for Isaiah, it was a tongue with, with a hot burning coal. And for us, it's the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us and removes our guilt. Do you see the gospel there? It's beautiful, isn't it? But we need to see what he saw. We need to sense what he sensed. And then we need to lastly say what he said. What he say? Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. You know what he's saying? I'm available. I'm available. We need to be willing to say, God, you've done so much for me. Here I am, your servant. Whatever you want me to do, here I am. Send me. I am available. And I would add one more to that. I am willing. Because sometimes we're available, but we're not willing. Mom and dad, you catch what I'm throwing? Kids carry out the trash. Okay. They're available, but they're not willing. I think sometimes we can get caught up in that and we, we, we start with the right heart, say, God, I'm available, but when we see the circumstances or maybe the results are not going the way we want and we encounter some tough times, maybe the willingness kind of goes out the window, but we see beautifully in Isaiah's life just a consistent pattern, consistency. Even if the message was difficult, even it was gonna cost him some, you know, maybe some, uh, I don't know what you call it, some, some capital in his life or maybe a little embarrassment, it's gonna cost him um, Man, and just to know that possibly he was going to die as a result of his, his, his mission, what he was called to, he said, here I am, send me. And I love that, and I believe that for us should be an encouragement and a challenge to each one of us today to see what he saw, to sense what he sensed, and to say what he said. Here I am, send me. How many of you have that attitude today with God? God, here I am, send me. How many of you are bold enough to say, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, here I am, send me. That's big, isn't it? Yet when you consider what he's done for us and the, the gravity of all uh, that he is and how he's made us right through the blood of Christ, it should be everyone's attitude in the room. God, because of what you've done for me, the least I can do is serve you back. Here I am. Send me. Amen? So leaders rise to the occasion. They answer the call of God, regardless of the circumstances and the results, even in the difficult situations. May we learn, hopefully, the lesson um, that Isaiah presents to us today um, in this leadership series. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for just the examples in scripture that you've given, and I will admit that Isaiah was a tough one for me. Just a lot of digging this week and considering his life, his ministry, and, and, and what led him to get to that point where he says, here I am, send me. Father, I pray that you would just help that to resonate in our hearts today. Lord, I, I pray that each one of us would see you in a new light today, that we would not think of you lightly or to lower you, our standards of who we think you are, but Lord, that we would see you high and lifted up, exalted, seated on your throne, still seated on your throne, in control, sovereign. Lord, that we would see your personality is that you're holy. There is no shadow of turning with you. You're holy, holy, holy. And your glory fills the whole earth, Lord, that we would just get a fresh revelation of who you are today. And, and in light of that, as we look at you, that you would show us our true selves. And Father, for those that have not placed their faith in you, that you would let them see their condition and their need, Lord, for cleansing and for forgiveness, for salvation today, that today would be the day of salvation. But Lord, for those that have placed our faith in you, that we would also see this as an opportunity of purification because God, you've called us, Lord, to grow in our faith. It's called sanctification. You want us to grow up in our faith. And Lord, I pray that as we look at you more and more, as we open scripture and as you reveal yourself to us, that it would have that cleansing effect on us as well. And Father, that we would see the need around us Lord, that we would see this leadership lessons as more than just on leadership, but a lifestyle for each one of us because we are all called to be the salt and the light. We are all to have influence on the people around us. So Lord, would you please help us to grab a hold of whatever it is that you're sharing with us today and take it to heart. Lord, and live our lives or respond in a way that would bring you honor and glory because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's for your glory. It's for your honor. That we ask these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.